This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Is anyone glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Y'all can do better than that. Is anyone glad to be in the house of the Lord today? We're not at home. We're in the house of the Lord. Can you just give him praise wherever you are? Can we just give God a shout of praise? Someone shout hallelujah. Someone shout hallelujah. Now, now no disrespect for those watching online. I know that you're experiencing God at home too. But is there something, not to feel guilty, don't feel guilty, but there's just something about gathering in the house of the Lord among other brothers and sisters in Christ. So just before we get started, I feel like someone in this room needs to give God praise because you're still breathing, because your legs still work, because your arms still work. Come on, somebody give him praise. Someone give him praise. Listen, there's been a lot going on in different people's lives and different people's families, but you got to determine in your spirit that nothing will hinder your praise, that nothing will hinder your praise, that no rock will cry out in your place. You're not in a grave today, but you're in the house of the Lord. Can someone give him praise, give him praise, give him praise, give him praise, give him praise. are saying (laughs) it doesn't matter what the doctors are saying it doesn't matter what the diagnosis may be our God has the final say he has the final word he has the final word and you know what's what's interesting and it has nothing to do with the sermon today that even when you're enduring through trials someone has to determine in their spirit as Job says though he slay me yet will I trust him so we determine that we're going to praise God nothing can stop your praise nothing can stop your worship because he is exalted he is sovereign he is Lord and there's none that compares to him so for just one more time can you just give him praise someone give him praise give him praise give him praise give him praise hallelujah 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 you can be seated for just a few moments and it's just it's it's a privilege to gather in the house of the lord and the scripture says where two or three are gathered he's there 
that means that in any given moment God is ready to heal at any given moment he's ready to save you could even be giving your lives to the Lord right now not even at the end at the end of the sermon but at any given moment when we come with a heart of expectancy we can experience God amen we're, we're going to keep keep things moving before we get started. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Kevin, uh, one of our pastors here at Christian Life Center. Um, those of you watching online, I'm Pastor Kevin. I think I'm one of the only Haitian pastors. So any shout out to the Haitians today? You give the shout <laughs> I'm Haitian and I'm proud. We don't think we're better than anyone. We just I'm just proud to be Haitian. I'm just proud to be Haitian. And... Um, um, at this moment, I'm just, I'm, I'm humbled that Pastor Tom and Pastor Candy, our senior pastors, uh, would give me the opportunity to bring the word today. If you don't know, um, we're just so grateful for our pastors who love the Lord. Amen. Can we just give it up for our pastors? And it's important because I say this often and I don't get tired of saying it, but we live in a culture right now that does not understand honor. That doesn't understand honor. We live in such a, 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 a self-absorbed and such an uh, entitled generation, and I'm in it too, that we don't understand honor. That when we look to those who, when we look at the fact that we didn't bring ourselves here, but someone, God allowed for someone to lead us into this place that we're here right now, and when we're in the house of the Lord underneath a, a, a church, that we, that we have spiritual leaders who cover us in prayer, who cover us in prayer. And they're not perfect. How many people know that the pastors aren't perfect? But they've said yes to the call of God to pastor and shepherd you and me. How many people know we have issues? <laughs> we have issues. But man, I just thank God for Pastor Tom and Pastor Candy. They're, they're resting right now. Um, they'll be back uh, next week. You all know when they get rested, they come back full, fully charged. You know, but, um, but one more time, can we just give it up for our pastors? We give honor to our pastors. We're in a series entitled Live It Out. Someone say live it out. If you're watching online, go ahead and type it in the comments. Type live it out. And this past week, uh, uh, Pastor Nadine brought the word on experiencing God. And we spent a lot of time at the altars here this past week. And I keep telling them to stop putting me after her. I'm like, can y'all just <laughs> schedule me somewhere else? <laughs> Well, who was here for the word last week and Pastor Nadine brought the message? What a powerful word. She touched on the hindrances of experiencing God. And the hindrances to experiencing God, if you remember, was our will, our comfort, our control, and our fears. These things hinder us from experiencing God. And then she said something so powerful at the end that if we're going to simplify what it means to experience God, it has to bring us back to God's word and bring us back to a place of prayer. Because if we're going to experience God, we have to know his word. And we have to spend time on our knees in prayer. Amen. Today, to get us started, I'm reminded of, uh, of a particular story. So we're going to have some fun today. It's okay for us to have some fun in church. Um, but this, this, the, the word today is a little heavy. So I'll throw some funny stuff in here so that you guys don't walk out of the church. Um, but I remember growing up, uh, I remember a few years back, I was at a, I was at a youth service. And um, shout out to Powerhouse, yo! Is Powerhouse in the building? Youth ministry? Can we give it up for our youth ministry, y'all? Yep, they go to my church. <laughs> but um, I remember this 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 youth. Uh, one of the students at one point he approached me. He says, "Hey, man, uh, I need gas money." <laughs> and y'all gonna judge me? Just prepare yourself. You will judge me. 
So he's, he asked me for, I didn't have any, any cash. So I was like, oh, bro, I'm sorry, man. Y'all know when you don't really want to give? You'd be like, man, I, I don't got it. So then a friend of mine was there at the time as well. He heard that this student needed gas. So he's like, hey, what did you say you needed? He needed gas. And then to try to make myself look good, I was like, I would have gave it, but I don't, I don't have cash. <laughs> y'all know when y'all do that? When you tell the stories to make yourself look good? I was like, I don't have cash. I would have gave it to him, but you know, I ain't have cash. And then uh, a friend of mine, what he said, which was very embarrassing, he said, uh, hey, well, how about we do this? Let's meet at the gas station. I'll use my card. And I'll, and I'll help you get gas in your car. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I was like, man, I mean, that's true. I could have I did that. Of course I could have did that. And a very important lesson I learned in that moment is we have to be a people who don't just love God, but also love others. And when it comes to actually showing care and living a life of compassion, compassion will actually lead you to taking action. Where you don't just <laughs> say that you care, but you actually show that you care. And I'm telling you, this sermon, is, is, it, it messed me up while I was praying through this. Because if we're, if we're honest, at many times, we could be people who love God, but can be honest, sometimes struggle to love others. And struggle to show care to others. I'll even give another confession. For me, it's not hard to show love towards those who don't have a relationship with Christ. It's the Christians. I'm just, don't judge me. <laughs> it's harder for me. Now, maybe not for you. But when people have a relationship with God, there's a part of it that's like, man, you kind of know better. You know what I'm saying? But how many people know that even in the body of Christ, we ought to love one another as well? It's not just a love for those who may not have a relationship with Christ. We're called to love one another as well. Amen? I mean, if you feel comfortable, look at your neighbor and say, you're my brother, you're my sister. Well, depending on who they are, right? If we are going to experience God, as we talked about this past week, it ought to lead us to love one another. Because uh, I believe John, the Apostle John says that you can't say you love God who you don't see when you hate your brother who you do see. Then John actually says if you hate your brother who you do see, and that's not my words, he says you're a liar. But our love for God is shown in how we love one another. I'm t- this is a hard sermon, y'all. Because how many people know that people will, they, they will disappoint you, they will fall short, that we are imperfect people and we will let each other down and many times it's hard to be patient and to show forgiveness. But that's what we're going to talk about today. So our passage of scripture, if you have your Bibles, if you can open it to Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 30. So Luke chapter 10, we're going to skip uh, a few verses and go to verse 30. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. You can read whatever translation uh, you feel comfortable reading from. But in honor of God's word, can we stand just for the reading of God's word? Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. It says here in verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed by 
on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Another scripture says he had compassion on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care. Someone say care. Care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then Jesus says, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the rob- of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Then Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As you're standing, our sermon title for today, if you want to take notes, is entitled, Who Cares? Someone say, who cares? Say it again. Say, who cares? I mean, I can't wait to go into this, but let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to read your word. May your word go forth today with clarity, with boldness. And Lord, I just pray that you would transform us to make us more like you, that when we leave from this service, that we all would just search our hearts to see if there's a way that we can grow in showing care and compassion to one another. God, let your words go forth. God, I put myself aside. God, it's not about me. I'm just a vessel. So Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to speak because someone's someone's eternity is on the line today. I just pray that Lord, whoever that may be watching or in this room would surrender to your will and being invited to the family of God or turn or come back to being into the family of God, in the family of God. So, Father, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you just give him praise one more time as you're seated? All right, one more time. Everyone say, who cares? Y'all ready for the word? All right, here we go. So, before Jesus goes into this story, many people know it as the, the story of the Good Samaritan. A few verses up, what actually happens is there is a, a lawyer, someone says an expert of the law is what the scripture says. And the expert of the law comes and approaches Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Then, then Jesus says, what, what does the scripture say? I mean, you should know, right? So then he says, okay, I should love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. This is how we experience God, even from this past week we talked about it. But not just experience God, but we are also called to connect together. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus said, okay, you, you answered correctly, right? But then the, the, the expert of the law was not satisfied. It says in the scripture in verse 29 that looking to justify himself, he asked, well, who's my neighbor? And now granted, the script doesn't give us too much like context of what it put it, what, what, why he asked that. It just says that he wanted to justify himself. Perhaps even trying to see, okay, let me see if this applies to everyone. So who's my neighbor? I mean, surely there got to be some kind of a person as an expert of the law that I may be, may be authorized not <laughs> to love. And how many people know sometimes it's the case? There are some people that we, if it was up to us, we would prefer not to want to extend that care. Don't look to the person. Don't, I don't want you to get in trouble today. So the expert in the law is like, okay, so who's my neighbor? And I, 
I think this is interesting because what Jesus is showing us in this passage is this. For too long, all they knew was to study the law. Granted, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. Because many people preach that, right? It's not about the law. It's about relationship. We, we always say that, right? But he came to fulfill the law. But up until this point, they only knew the law as, 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 as task and rules and regulations. All they knew. Do this, do that. Do this, do that. But Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. This is why that's important. Because part of what makes God love is that he's just. And sometimes we don't like to hear that because we look at love as just lovey-dovey thing. It's all about a love gospel where it's just I love you, you love me, Barney kind of thing. But what makes God loving is that he's also just. Meaning the God that we serve, not only is he the lamb, but he's also the lion. He is the God of love, and through love, he speaks truth. But they didn't understand it. The lawyer didn't understand it because he's looking to the law when the one who came to fulfill the law is right before him. So Jesus was speaking a completely different concept that they've never experienced yet. And you know what's crazy? Hundreds and centuries later, being people who have the, the privilege of receiving the gospel, we still operate like we're under the law. We still do. And looking to, to push and uh, advocate for the law, we miss Christ. We live by all these rules and regulations. Now, I'm not saying we don't have rules, right? But the motivation of applying those rules has to come from a place of obedience, as Pastor Nadine preached this last week. So I can't say that I love God if I'm not willing to walk according to his law, but I, I got to have a relationship with him. So it's both and, not either or. So the lawyer who, it says, intentionally was an expert of the law was missing a very basic principle. And that happens to us. Many times in our lives, God is trying to teach us something so simple, but we miss it because of our, maybe our, our personal opinions, maybe our biases, or maybe our offenses, or maybe a lack of understanding or a lack of knowledge. We miss what God is trying to teach us because of whatever it is that's in the way. And that's why we started this series. It's called Live It Out. The Live It Out series, the intention of this series was to help us to say, look, we don't want to just do church. We want to be the church. Not just as it pertains to uh, sharing the gospel, but that's part of it, which we'll talk about in the next few weeks, but actually in how we live in every area of our lives. Have we, have we complicated the gospel? Have we complicated what it means to live the gospel? These are some questions that I, were, I was praying on. Have we made living the gospel dependent on programs? Meaning, do we wait to join a life group before we love our brother and sisters in Christ? I told you, no one's going to say amen, but I was convicted even praying through this. Have we made the call to be believers programs instead of living it out have we forgotten that the call to love one another was a command that God gave to the capital C church? Not just CLC, but the whole church. And that's why Pastor Tom wanted to do this series. He says, I feel like we're missing it. I feel like we're able to come to church and raise our hands, but we forget that we got to take it outside and live it out. 
if we're going to live it out, if we're going to live out the gospel, it is imperative that we learn how to care for one another. Now, the, this story of the Good Samaritan is taken in many different kinds of ways, but I want us to look into this particular passage to gain an understanding of care and compassion and how it can help us to show care and compassion to one another. So point number one, if we're going to care, if we're going to show compassion, we have to care without self-righteousness. We have to care without being self-righteous. Now, remember, the story starts off, it says that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then what, what's, what's interesting about this passage is when you look at the, the, the map, the Jerusalem was actually, to get to Jerusalem from Jericho, it was actually kind of up a mountain. So you, you would go down to the Kidron Valley and you, you would go up to get to Jerusalem. And if you study scripture, you know that in Jerusalem it was considered a place of worship. It was considered a place where they gathered to be able to worship God. And I love that imagery that is pointing up. Because how many people know when we come into the house of God, we go up. That it's not about how we're feeling, it's not about our emotions, but we get to go up in glory and experience his presence. We get to go and, and, and give him praise and give him worship that only he deserves. In his presence, we go up. We decrease, but he increases. So scripture says that it was the, the, the man was coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, so it, it must have been him going down, heel. So now the first person that we see in this particular passage is a priest. And it says, the way we don't necessarily know, but it's most likely the priest was coming from Jerusalem because the scripture says he was going down that road. So the priest coming from Jerusalem, we don't know why, maybe he was performing some religious duties or maybe doing what priests do. And many times in scripture, the priest is known to atone for the people's sins and kind of be kind of a mediator between the people and God. But he passed down that road, saw this man, and went to the other side. The priests, possibly coming from religious duties, came down this road, saw this man who was beaten, who was wounded, and passed on the other side to keep going. I don't know if he was tired, maybe. Some scholars believe maybe uh, he didn't want to touch him because maybe he would have been unclean. I don't know. Whatever the things might be. And it made me think. Priests, in many ways, are almost like pastors or leaders or anyone. The scripture calls us all. The, the, when, we get, when we get saved and we uh, uh, give our lives to Christ, I should say, the scripture says we become a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But... Uh, historically or traditionally speaking, the priest would be symbolic of kind of like, maybe like a senior pastor or so, or a pastor. And it convicted me because it's, it, it made me think preaching and tending to, to, to traditions is one thing, but can we stop and care? Can we stop and care? Remember that old saying, I don't care how much, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you, oh, that's so hard. That's so hard. In Luke chapter 18, I want to just, there's, a, there's another example of this same thing. In Luke chapter 18, we don't got to turn to it, but if you can write it, feel free. In verse 35, it says that Jesus, he was approaching Jericho, and there was a blind man that was sitting by the roadside begging him, begging, I should say, begging for money or begging to be helped. Then they told that blind man that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And this is Luke chapter 18 in verses 35 to 42. 
The blind man called out when he heard that Jesus was passing by. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Let me tell you what's powerful about this passage. Because Jesus also too was approaching Jericho. In verse 40, it says, Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. We, we are, let me say this way. It's awesome to pray and believe for a move of God. But how many people are grateful that not only does God move, but he stops. Jesus, the one who came to to heal and deliver and, and cast out demons, having a full plate, a full thing on his schedule of ministry um, I, to itinerate different places, chooses to stop. And I don't know about you, I'm grateful that Jesus stopped for me. And many times, I, I'm, I, this is why these two go hand in hand. We pray for a move of God. We had uh, Nights Ablaze, which is our revival services, which is an opportunity for us to come into the house of God and pray for God to move and pray for healing and pray for restoration and pray for God to do things. But man, I'm just glad that he doesn't just move, but he stops. Think about the blind beggar in that moment. He hears that Jesus is passing by, and when he finds out, when he notices that he can scream out all the more, Jesus, having mercy on him and having compassion, chooses to stop. And if we are to be like Jesus, we got to learn how to stop. We have to learn how to stop. We got to learn not to be in a rush all the time. Not to be running from our, uh, to our to-do list or to our religious practices, like the priests, perhaps, or maybe coming from religious practices, perhaps, maybe. And we got to learn how to just stop. Just stop. How many people know that? People, are, the people in our world, uh, people in church, people who maybe are turned off from church, if it was a sermon that was going to reach them, the whole world would have been saved by now. And I don't mean that we don't need sermons, so don't say that to Pastor Tom, because I'm going to get fired. That's not what I said. But if it was just a talking sermon that was going to save lives, this whole auditorium would be full. But how many people know that some of you in this room are here because someone stopped to care for you, to be Jesus' hands and feet extended, to make room for you in that pew, to make room for you in their group chats, to make room for you at their table, to make room for you. They chose to stop, and God calls you, and he calls me to stop. And care and show compassion to others and not be so busy doing church that we're not showing the love of Christ to those who are around us. Then you have the Levites. Now, Levites were also priests, and we don't have time to break down everything, but Levites, they were responsible for tending to the temple many times and throughout scripture you will see uh, through Aaron and, and, and the different Levites that they were responsible for the temple worship, uh, perhaps and this kind of would be similar to maybe like a, maybe a, just historically speaking, maybe like a pastoral staff because we do have a senior pastor, but we also have other pastors and lay leaders. But this Levite comes down that same road and ignores him and goes to the other side. And this made me think, man, God help us to not just be a people who worships and sings songs that we don't know how to stop to care for other people. That we don't know how to stop and show love towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. That we can shout loud in church, but 
are silent when it comes to showing care towards one another. And you know what I love to do? I love how when Jesus is telling this story, that the very things that are being identified are happening outside of the temple. Because how many people know the real test is when we leave, when we leave those <laughs> exit signs, or when you log out of YouTube or Facebook or CLC Live, it's when the real tests come, right? I mean, some of you, if y'all are honest, the tests come with y'all in the parking lot. I see y'all out there. I see y'all. You, you at the altars crying, and then you cussing people on the altar. I just, come on, I see y'all. I see y'all. The, 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 what you call it, the, car, the parking team is trying to tell you, wait for this car. You honking your horn, you know what I'm saying? You're not speaking in tongues, you're honking your horn. I see you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but when they're leaving from their, perhaps their, their, their religious duties, it's when the actual real test comes. And how many people know that some of these tests are inconvenient? It's like, man, I'm trying to help you right now. Right? And, and God is intentional to ensure that we got to be so patient. So uh, our, our pace has to slow down to be able to see the needs of others so that we can minister to those needs. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's not just you. I'm preaching to myself as well. I can be very impatient. Don't look at my wife because she's going to nod. But I can be very impatient sometimes. It, let me tell you an example, right? I'm a very introverted, quiet person, believe it or not. I'm very, very shy. And I'm still learning that, how to, you know, get out of my comfort zone. And, um, but what you wouldn't realize, you wouldn't realize I was shy if you heard me on the phone with some of these, these, these bill people or these, 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 you know what I'm saying, these phone calls. We got to call your bank. Because sometimes, no offense to any bankers, but sometimes they mess up the statement sometimes. Not that bankers are not good. You know what I mean. You got to check your own statements sometimes. Right? Anybody do that? <laughs> Just <laughs> balance your own books. You get what you inspect, not what you expect. But it's a whole nother... <laughs> We, we love bankers. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's my money, but, um, or it's God's money, right? Break the bank. <laughs> but if I'm on the phone, if you ever heard me on the phone talking to, so I'll be like, um, they'll be like, uh, and they, they love to put you through those automated things. Y'all know what I'm saying? They put you on those automated things and I'll just press zero and they'll know, sorry, you can't press a command. You got to say what you need. So I'm going to speak to representative, uh, sir, in order to help you, um, speak to representative, we would love to support you. Speak to representative. <laughs> we love to speak to representative. <laughs> Anybody else do that? <laughs> and my wife would be like, yo, are you okay? I was like, I just don't want the machine. <laughs> I don't want to talk to an automated system. Speak to <laughs> They'd be like, hey, you, you know, if you want, you can go on. Speak to a representative now. <laughs> and then they, they, they do. It, it go to the representative. Because you guys know when you call those numbers, when you talk to them, you got to explain the issue. Then that person doesn't really know how to fix it. Oh, let me get you a third person. You got to repeat the same issue to the next person. So when I get to the third person, I'm just telling y'all I'm impatient. I'll be like, okay, like I told two other people ago. And then they're like, oh, we got to bring you to a manager. So when I get to the manager, I'll be like, okay, second of all, not first of all, <laughs> second of all. <laughs> What's the point I'm saying? It's easy to be a Christian here. But when we go outside, in the parking lot, on the phone, man, this is the opportunity we have. And I'm not going to lie to you. I told you you were going to judge me. But I'm, when I'm like that, the Holy Spirit is like, yo, what if they come to your church? <laughs> yeah, but what if, they, I think because they, they see your name, they're like, Kevin Richelieu, okay, what church you go? Okay, we're going to see. And they're probably here now. <laughs> hey, I'm not... <laughs> It's okay to laugh a little bit in church, right? 
but I'm still working on it. It's a point. The point I'm saying is, is that it's easy to show love in the church sometimes in terms of during the service. When we're done with that closing prayer, that's when it's time to live it out. How we treat one another, how we treat our neighbors, how we treat those who we call on the phone, how we treat those who sit in our pew, how we treat those in our small groups, how we treat those on our jobs. God calls us to care and he, should, and, and he calls us to recognize that care helps us go beyond our comfort zones. The priests and the Levite had an opportunity to show care outside of their comfort zone and they missed it. So not only are we called to care without self-righteousness or seeing ourselves as better than, we're also called to care without hesitation. Everyone say hesitation. We're called to care without hesitation. Now we look at the Samaritan. This is my favorite part of the passage. A Samaritan comes, sees the, sees the man, and has compassion. Someone say compassion. Let's talk a little bit about the Samaritans. Samaritans, when you study the Old Testament, there were a group of people who lived in Samaria or the northern part of Jerusalem. And what took place is the Assyrians came and they took the, the Israelites captive and some of the, some of the Israelites stayed behind and they intermarried with the Assyrians. So what happens was as they were intermarrying, now you have what you would call half Jews and half Gentiles. It's why they were considered half breeds. So in many ways, the Israelites didn't see the Samaritans as real Jewish people or as real, the real chosen of God because they were intermarried with Gentile nations. And this is powerful because what Jesus is doing, he's challenging them to recognize that I'm going to share this story with you and show you how the person who acted this out the best was someone who you would least expect to. And Jesus does that to all of us, where he's calling out those biases, and he's calling out those, those prejudices, and he calls out those things in you, those predispositions to make a deeper truth or a deeper point to call us deeper to be more like him. Then it says, the Samaritan had compassion. If we're going to have care, care and compassion should lead to action. Someone say action. action. I did a little word study on it, and the word compassion comes from this Greek word, that means to pity, to feel sympathy, or to be moved with compassion. This is the word uh, compassion, excuse me. And it says here, I was looking at this, this reference, and it says that to, to show compassion is like one being moved in their bowels. It says, for the, the bowels were thought to be a seat of love and pity. That's why when you're feeling compassion to, towards something, you kind of feel it in your guts. So the Samaritan, being an unlikely source because of that, but because of his background or him not being accepted as a real Jew, was filled with compassion in his guts and chose not to just pass on the other side, but to actually care and meet the need. Compassion is not a passive term. Compassion is an action verb that pushes us to do something. Compassion is deeper even than care because compassion says, look, I'm not going to just say I care about you, but I'm going to show it. So we see that the Samaritan, he addressed his pain, right? He bounded up his wounds, he poured oil on it, and he put him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And it even says that he, he even covered all of his expenses. When you're filled with compassion, it leads you to a place of actually doing something about it. And many times when you hear this scripture, you often hear it only as it pertains to maybe people who don't have a relationship with Christ. 
But we're called to also show the same compassion towards other believers as well. And I shared it with you earlier, but it's true. Sometimes loving other believers is hard because you expect more from them. Amen. Or maybe even showing compassion towards pastors and leaders because you expect more from us, right? It's harder sometimes because when there's that expectation and people are letting you down, it's like they're not worthy of the compassion. And it's true. Usually we're not. And that's why he says, have mercy. Because when God shows mercy towards us, it's not because it's something that we deserve from him. But his love is showing us, he's giving us something that we don't deserve. So now when we're receiving something from God that we don't deserve, our response is repentance. Our response is conviction. Because, like, man, I'm not even worthy of that. And you still chose to help me. And this is the compassion that God calls us to live in, whether it's in relationship with unbelievers or with other believers. But I just pray that all of us would search our hearts to say, Lord, help us to show that same compassion towards our brothers and sisters to the left and right of us, those people, those people at work, our spouses, our family members, our, 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 bro- our real bro- brothers and sisters. How many people know your real brothers and sisters are sometimes hard to love as well, right? And many times they, they, our siblings need it the most. But if we're going to be a people who are living in compassion, we got we to gotta follow in the example of the, Samaritan, of the Samaritan. So Jesus asked him, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. Because remember, the, the expert in the law, right? The expert in the law was asking, so who is my neighbor? Because in many ways, he may, maybe he was looking for a way to see who was exempt from him showing this kind of care and love. But instead of answering his question, Jesus calls him to see it's not about who's your neighbor, but about whose neighbor you are to. I don't even know if I said that right. (laughs) It's not about who's your neighbor, but it's about you being a neighbor to other people. It's about you living this compassionate lifestyle regardless of who is around you. People ought to see me in you, Jesus is saying to him. So it's not about who's worthy of it. It's about you doing it. And I think Jesus is saying the same thing to us, that we have, a, we have a call, we have a privilege to show the love of Christ daily. And you know, and Pastor Tom, when we're, when we're preparing, preparing this series, we talked about this, that it's not just about joining a small group, but it's about showing compassion in your small groups and being in anywhere that you go, that people should see that compassion. That we should be quick to forgive. And forgiveness is hard because people do some really, really terrible things. Someone say, yeah, they do. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. All right. Keep it real, right? It's people do some terrible things. And it's hard to show that love and compassion. But God still calls us to it. Now, granted, showing the love and compassion doesn't mean that you have boundaries, which is a whole, that you don't have boundaries. That's a whole other sermon. It's not that we care recklessly. But the reality is, is that we're called to show that love of Christ. And when we run out, because how many people know we run out? We go to the source and say, Lord, help me. Help me to show compassion towards this person. They're not worthy of it, but help me to see me when, I don't, when I'm not worthy of it so I can show them what you show me. What if this person seeing compassion gives them an opportunity to see you? I don't want to be in the way. I'm always praying this. I don't want to be in the way of somebody seeing you. Because many times offenses and unforgiveness can cause people to, be, to turn their hearts away from God. And all it takes sometimes is for us to humble ourselves right? All it takes sometimes is for us to humble ourselves and look, look to people in the face and look to people in the eyes and say, yo, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes as believers, we are the worst. 
We are the worst. We can't tell. We don't know how to apologize. You ever see the way sometimes we apologize? We say this thing. We say, hey, look, I'm sorry you feel that way. You ever heard that? I'm so sorry you feel that way. I know you're crying, but I'm sorry you feel that way. I know you felt like I did something. I'm sorry you felt like that. This is... <laughs> How many people know that's not really an apology? You're, you're feeling sorry for the person. You're not really owning up to what you did. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look, I'm sorry you feel like that. Someone maybe reach out to you and says, hey, man, the other day I was talking to you and I just felt very offended by the things that you said. I'm so sorry you feel that way. But if we're going to be like Christ, if we're going to be like Christ, we have to humble ourselves. I love what Psalm 139 says. It says, Lord, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way, not in them, not in my life group leader, not in Pastor Tom, not in the people in my, in my job, in me. If there is an offensive way in me. Man, do you understand how many people could be healed just from you just really saying sorry? You know how many people's hearts could be restored just from you humbling yourself and say, yo, my bad, yo, I'm sorry. I did not, I'm so sorry. Right? And sometimes, I know when you say sorry to people, they just start stomping their foot on you. Yeah, and you did this, you did this. You're like, hey, I'm sorry, my bad. Right? And one of, one of the things we always say, look, I have, nothing, I have nothing to prove, right? I'm so sorry. What if someone's healing was dependent on your apology? Y'all don't want to hear this, man. <laughs> What if someone's healing was dependent, it has nothing to do with the notes, right? What if someone's healing was dependent upon your apology and you're so willing to want to be like the lawyer to justify yourself that you're going to withhold that apology because you just want to be right? How many people know as believers, and this is the gospel, when we get saved, we put our rights aside. Now, I don't know how you hear it, but we die to our rights daily. Anyone know what I'm talking about? How many times does God convict you? You know what the scripture says? And this really will mess you up. The scripture says if someone has an issue with you, put your, alt, put your sacrifice down. Don't even bring the worship to God. Go and make it right with that person. Not if you have an issue with them. Man, I hate that scripture. If they have an issue with you, Being a Christian is hard. It's not easy. And I don't know how we've made a way to lower the standard to make it everyone comfortable to come into this happy, happy, happily ever after gospel. But when we get saved, there is this thing called dying that's hard. There is this dying to the flesh daily that even though it might be right for someone else, it's not right for you. And it's not necessarily even a sin, but God don't want you to do it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Being saved is beyond what you are allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. Being saved is not what you're saved from, but what you're saved for. So it's not about what I can and can't do. But it's about walking in righteousness that if he tells me not to do it tomorrow, then I won't do it tomorrow. If he tells me to do it tomorrow, then I will do it tomorrow. It's not about what I can do. It's about what I'm sacrificing for the greater call for my life. And I know sometimes when you humble yourself to show compassion, it makes you look like the weaker vessel. Guess what? Maybe you are. 
If it's going to get in the way of somebody seeing Christ, it's not worth it. Sometimes I'm praying to God, I say, Lord, I, you know what? Listen, like, I, do you know that sometimes people, it's not even really you they're mad at anyways. You know that, right? A lot of times they're really mad at God, but because you're the person in front of them, it's easier to blame it on you. You know what the disciples said? The disciples consider themselves worthy to be persecuted for the gospel. And now that's not how we see it today, because once we start feeling some pain, no, this is not God's will. I got to get out of this. Not that God, not that there's not um, hope for healing and restoration, but the point I'm saying, it's not about you. Why don't you tell your neighbor, say, it's not about you. If you feel comfortable, I know we're in COVID. If you're watching online, type in the comments, it's not about you. Matter of fact, it's never about you. It's not about the priest. It's not about the Levite. It's not even about the Samaritan. These are just pictures that God is showing us to point us to a deeper truth. Some would say amen. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So it's not fulfilling the law of Christ by singing songs, but it's by carrying each other's burdens. It's about embracing those inconveniences. It's about you being patient to listen through something that maybe is hurting or offending someone so that you can be a part of their restoration process. I like what Jesus says in John 13. He says, John 13, 35, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And I like what he says. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. God calls us to care beyond, beyond self-righteousness, to care without hesitation, and number three, care without conditions. You remember in the passage here, you find that the Samaritan, he pays, he pays all these expenses without expecting anything in return. God calls us to, to love and to show compassion from a place of abundance. Another way to say it is that we've got to learn how to care without expecting anything in return. You got to learn how to care without expecting anything in return, that when you give it, you charge it to the kingdom and let God resolve it. Hey, I'm going to care in this moment. I'm going to meet this need, and God's going to figure out everything else. Amen? But I want to talk about some practical ways to live this out. What are practical ways to live out genuine care? Because I want to make it very, very practical so we have something to leave with today. It says here, slow down. Someone say slow down. Type in the comments, slow down. Someone say slow down. Listen, when we're, when we're slowing down, we have to learn how to not rush past people due to being too busy. Sometimes when we're too busy, I mean, how can you care? you got so many things to do. you got things going on at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Your agenda is so full, there's no room to care. Well, we got to slow our pace down. we got to be able to, I think John Maxwell says it. He says you gotta, you got to walk the room slowly. And how many people know when you walk the room slowly, people will talk to you. And it's not brushing them off or pushing them away, but it's you being there in that moment and being like Christ to them. But if we're rushing and we're never slowing down, how, how can we show the love of Christ? Slow down. One more time, someone say slow down. Another way to show this genuine care and compassion is um, what I call show up randomly. It comes from this book. Uh, I think his name is Reggie Joyner. It's called Lead Small. He says, uh, show up randomly. What does this mean? Find some random ways to show genuine care to others. Here's some ways you could do it. Maybe, maybe you want to 
put some reminders in your phone for maybe people's birthdays, because some people appreciate when, when they have birthdays. Um, actually, I celebrate birthdays late, so I'm okay. My birthday was in February if you want to celebrate us in, all the way in July, I receive. But um, maybe it's even sending cards when someone's in the hospital. Because there are so many needs in the body of Christ. There's so many families going through different things that you know about or you may know about, and God calls you to show love for them. You know what? When, when someone once told me that when someone's in the hospital and you visit them, they will, they will never forget it. They'll never. Anyone here remember someone visiting you in the hospital? Man, they didn't have to do that. And when you're in the hospital, you're in your worst state. You don't have, you, you don't got suit, you don't got three-piece suit on, you don't have makeup. You, don't, you, just, you just look, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but man, when people, when people show up while you're in the hospital, there's just some care. Amen? Another one is, um, Pastor Tom does this, is schedule no agenda meetups. And we live in the gen, gen, uh, millennials and Gen Z. We always have a reason why we're meeting with somebody. You know what I'm saying? We're always networking. I'm going to go meet with this person so I can see if I can connect with them so I can work on this thing to get this thing, get more views and engagements. And they're going to know someone who knows somebody. Then I'm going to see if they can get to put on their page and then like it. And I can get, so I'm going to meet with that person so I get to here. And there's nothing wrong with networking in the kingdom. That's important. I think that's strategy, right? But the point I'm saying is that schedule sometimes where you meet up with people and there is no agenda. It's just to connect and to care with that person to get to know them and them to get to know you, right? One time, Pastor Tom took us to lunch and he's like, and, and we, we know because Pastor Tom is introverted like me. We thought it was a reason he met. It's like, so am I getting fired? You know? If you guys have met with Pastor Tom, it's always something. It's like, okay, so either he's starting seven more campuses and he's trying to find a way to see how or... So like, where's this going exactly, right? Right? But, we, you know, it's different. When you meet with Pastor Nadine, it's a little different, right? When you meet with her, she's just, I'm going to shoot to you straight. So you just bring your notes and you're just ready to take notes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I got a girl like this. I got love. Pastor Nadine's like one of the only ones who could kind of like love you and like challenge you at the same time. You know what I'm saying? But, but Pastor Tom, and these, there's a few times he meets up and you're waiting for the, okay, we got the appetizer. All right. What's up? Like, Cold Springs? What, the sun? Where we going? CLC in Hawaii? <laughs> CLC in Haiti? I'm, you tell me. Benny Spotlight than that. And then he says, hey, no, no agenda. And then we go like, no agenda. All right, okay, all right, okay. Then we, then we, Pastor Sean, you don't talk about it, right? Schedule no agenda meetups. Here's another one. You could probably even make up your own list of different ways you want to show compassion and care towards those people around you randomly. Here goes another practical way. See a need and meet a need. There's always needs around us. But God calls you not to wait for a, a program, right, to get started for you to show care and compassion. But if you see the need, God says, let's meet the need. Amen. All right. If we're going to live out genuine care, let's remember we've got to care without self-righteousness, care without hesitation, and care without conditions. When I look at the Samaritan, the Samaritan actually reminds me of Jesus. The Samaritan reminds me of Jesus. So the Samaritan, first of all, you see that the Samaritan is from Samaria, which is a place of not, not, not prominence or a place that's even judged or looked down upon, which reminds me of Jesus being from Bethlehem. Scriptures even says, does anything good come from Nazareth? But how many people know that Jesus could be from a place of insignificance and it doesn't define his purpose or call, but he still can be born in Bethlehem from Nazareth and still come and save the world and save you and me. And what does that tell us today? It doesn't matter where you're from. 
It's about what God has called you to do. So what if I feel the Lord is telling someone today, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Because the thing that you're probably embarrassed by or ashamed of or, or, or maybe get drained by could be the very thing that God is trying to use to minister to other people. What I said, it's not about us. So it's not about where you're from. Because many of you may not wish I had a this or wish I had a that. It's not about where you're from, but what God has called you to do. Then also we see that the Samaritan actually addressed those wounds. It says he put the oil and the wine. And it reminds me of Jesus when he comes and he sees us and he heals us and he redeems us. But even beyond the physical healings, it reminds me of when we're, when, we're, when we're beaten by sin and beaten by depression and anxiety and not knowing who we are in Christ. He comes and he anoints us with oil. and He comes and he establishes us. He comes and he covers us. And he comes and as we declared earlier, and makes room for us in his presence. And this is why God is good, because when he comes and reaches us, he doesn't leave you how you are. You know something? I know this is not popular, but you can't encounter God and stay the same. When people are, you see, it's not our place to try to convince someone to let something go in their lives. If someone is still trying to hold on to different things or strongholds, it's just the level of which they encountered God. Because if they just encounter Jesus, if we just encounter Jesus, we'll see that nothing is worth it because we're willing to give him everything. Amen. But Jesus heals our wounds. Then I love how it says the Samaritan comes and he, and he puts him on his, on, his, on, his, uh, on his animal and he takes care of him. And it reminds me of how Jesus, not only does he heals us, but he carries us to a place of restoration. He doesn't just save, save us, but he, he, he carries us to a place of restoration. Man, that's so good. To a place of restoration. I love how David says in Psalm 3 that he restores my soul. Man, what if 2020 was God calling to a place of restoration? 2020 last year. I know COVID is terrible and many people may have lost loved ones due to it. But how many people know that even through a terrible pandemic, God always has a plan? He always has a plan. What have you been working too hard and going too hard? And God is like, you know, it's time for you to rest so that I can minister to you. How can God minister effectively to you if you're always busy running to the one thing to the next? Sometimes we're too busy doing the work of the Lord that we don't know the Lord of the work. God calls us to rest. And this man's been beaten. It's like when you get to a, anybody ever been there where he makes you lie down? He make, sometimes God allows the worst things. I didn't say he causes, but he allows. And many people like, like many people are, are resilient. And after, after maybe, I don't know, your son maybe stops serving the Lord. You're good. You're praying 40 days or maybe, then maybe you lose your job and then you're still praying. God's my provider. Then a third thing comes and your, your, your spouse is cheating on you. Then no, nah, God's going to trust me. And then that fourth or fifth thing comes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That fourth or fifth thing comes where God says, yo, rest. Do you, you know, when we're resting, God is working. God says, rest. Let me do it. You know, you know, sometimes we have God in our corner. He's waiting to be tagged in. He's like, yo, tag me, put me in. And we're rushing, we're, we're, we're working it out, we're emptying out our savings, we're calling all of our friends, we're turning to ungodly measures, we're doing everything that we can except come to him. 
And he says, come to me. I will give you rest. Man, y'all. There's some battles you're fighting right now. And God is like, yo, and this has nothing to do with the sermon. He's like, listen, Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Psalm 46, be still and what? And know that I am God. You know, one of, the, one of, one of my daily affirmations is, look, I'm not the hero. <laughs> Sometimes we look at the story and we forget and we think we're the hero in the story. You read David and Goliath, you're like, I'm David. I'm the one who killed the, the, the giant. That's me. <laughs> right? Or you read the Good Samaritan. That's me. I just helped someone on the side of the road. But how many people know it's not about you? It's not about me. The hero in the story is Jesus. And it's not that there's not a part that we play. There's times, as Ecclesiastes said, there's a time to fight. There's a time to contend. There's a time to push. But there's also a time to rest and let him do it. Let him minister to that son. Let him minister to that need. Let him do what only he can do so that he can get the glory for it. Amen? Yo, being saved doesn't exempt you from being worried. You got to learn how to put those worries in the hands of Christ. You got to learn how to put those stresses in his hands. To the person watching online who your son or daughter has walked away from God. Remember, that son or daughter was God's first. So you got to release that child to God. Someone in this room who's wrestling in their marriage, right? You're trying to fix it in your own strength. Remember that God is in control. Or maybe you're in the room and you're single. You've been serving the Lord and you've been faithful. And you see all these messed up relationships. You're like, man, I could do way better than them. When is my season coming? Be, be, be encouraged. Know that God has an appointed time. And I'm reminded, I love that. I love how in the Bible it says when, when before Eve was brought and formed out of Adam's rib, God put him to rest. Because while Adam was resting, God was working. That's a word for married people, a word for single people. It's a word for every person that God is working it out when you let him. There's a time to do your part, but there's a time to rest and let him do what only he can do. Amen. And it says, he covered, he paid all those expenses. He gave the two uh, a, day's, a day's wage to tend to those expenses. And it reminds me of how Jesus, he covers our tab. He pays our expenses. He covers us. And he keeps us. Just a few moments. Can you just lift your voice to thank him for a few moments? Just to thank him for covering those expenses. Come on, in your own words, in your own words, can you just thank him for covering those expenses? Let's just thank him for a few moments. God, we thank you for covering those expenses. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.